It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits, not afraid. I have a fatigue, listen to yourself, the world with its own needs. Let me bring your own head, beat it up, and I see got no sheets. The ladder puts the platter with the fear fight down. Like fire in a fire, with the truth of the gang, the government for hiring the combat site. Break it wasn't coming in a hurry, leave it, you're eating it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. dark heart of the city, a mysterious figure known as Dr. Bones. Oh, geez, I think I'm married to that guy, Dr. Bones. Wait, is that you? That guy is crazy. Yeah, he's the dark heart of the city, and you you know what you are? You're the angel heart of the city. Oh, well, both of us. Yes. Both parts of Dr. Bones, Dr. Bones and Mr. Hyde, yeah. <laughs> as they say are here today, and we are going to have a great time on our podcast. Hey, friends and neighbors out there, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a bastion of benevolence in a belligerent world. I'm Joel Alton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over a 1,000 post videos and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster. And I'm Amy Alton, also known as Nurse Amy, and I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And the hostess with the mostest, and together we are the gang of two. We are the dynamic duo, the spectacular spouses, the masters of disaster. That's how, who we wait, are. Wait, how long did it take you to think up all of those? Oh, I've got lots more. I've got probably about 15 different ones. Let's Where's see, we, we are the uh, courageous couple. We are the host with the most. We are... The geezer and the goddess, the oh, queen. Oh wait, yeah, the that's queen and the codger. Weren't you reading quotes yesterday? I have been reading. Uh, I have brainy, brainy quotes. Go there, guys. Me, you'll get a lot of wisdom. Brainy quotes, but a tell, lot of interesting tell me ones. one of your favorite ones from yesterday that you read. Well, Winston Churchill said, "If you're going through hell, keep going." Keep going. <laughs> it was something else you told me that was really good. Well, there are a lot of. Oh gosh, there are a lot of different ones oh. that are are super super good. That I'm going to dole those out very sparingly. A little bit at a time. Just a little bit at a time. Maybe every every week we'll do another saying. Okay. Friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident with a peripatetic panther? Hey, if you know what peripatetic means, you've been everywhere, man. You've been everywhere. As Johnny Cash would say, because that's what it means. Traveling from place to place. In particular, working or based in various places for short periods of time. That's us. That's peripatetic. That's right. Well, here's our disclaimer given to you by a beautiful woman. Oh, please. 
All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Please. Of course, but... In bad times, you have to show the world that you got more sense than a case of kangaroos and get the training and education that you need to help people and to help save lives. And while you're at it, you know what you need? You need a quality medical kit as well. And there's no better place to get that kit than Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated, never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. Compare our kits for contents, quality, and cost with anybody else's stuff, anybody else's stuff, and you'll agree our kits are the ones that you should have in your medical storage. If you want more proof, check out our testimonials page at store.doomandbloom.net to see what folks just like you have to say about our kits and service. And on top of all that, our kits are approved for your health or flexible savings accounts. Just look at our special HSA FSA section in the store. And please don't forget to subscribe to our website at doomandbloom.net. That's right. That's right. You'll be glad you did. That's right. All right, so what are we going to talk about this week? Well, today we've got a special guest. We have Craig Cottle of Nature Reliance Schools. And Craig, I want to tell you a little bit about him. Craig Cottle began his outdoor experiences while growing up hunting, fishing, and playing in the woods of Kentucky. That's where Amy's family is from. For over four decades, he has actively pursued experiential knowledge of all things related to awareness, safety, and survival in the outdoors. He's studied and trained in primitive skills as well as modern methods to successfully challenge himself in the outdoors. And that includes two 30-day solo trips alone in the wilderness with nothing but a knife. Craig is the author of three successful books and is pleased and honored to have the opportunity to teach a diverse group of students. This includes thousands of people from the public sector, military personnel, federal, state, local first responders, all sorts of folks that need this kind of training. And so here we are. We're going to talk to Craig Cottle. Hey, Craig, you on there? I am, my good friend. How are you? Awesome, awesome. It's so glad to have you on our show today. Welcome to the show. Oh, that's right. Well, thank you for letting me be here. I'm, I'm excited. An official welcome by Vanna White here. Uh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> if only they could see me pointing. Yeah, that's right. Well, Craig, we're really glad that you came on to our show today. I want to talk a little bit about your books, so your mission, everything that you're doing. So tell us, let's start by telling us about your background and, well, how you got to where you are today. Well, thank you. Thanks for asking about that. I, I live in Kentucky. I've lived here my entire life. I grew up uh, hunting, fishing, uh, farming, spent a lot of time outside. One of those kids where mom would boot me out the door in the mornings and I came home at dark kind of thing. So I spent a tremendous amount of time outside and grew up, did that, went to college. Uh, in in college, I, I studied statistics, so I'm a kind of a numbers kind of nerd kind of guy at the University of Kentucky. And after graduating from college, I got into working just an average ordinary job. I actually worked for a natural gas utility in a, in a, in a hospital doing statistical analysis for some things. Uh, somewhere along those lines, I started teaching martial arts for a living, and I spent almost 24 years doing that, practicing and studying and teaching martial arts 
which led to teaching defensive tactics and combatives for law enforcement and military as well. And I uh, developed a lot of contacts and in that industry, if you will, that group of people and the, that mindset of people. And because of that, I started teaching some outdoor topics, basically, you know, basic, basics on hiking. Uh, I did a through hike of a trail that runs through our state here, 323 miles now, uh, the shelter we trace. And so I was teaching some fundamentals of just being outside and ran into a guy that was running an organization called Dan's Depot and said, hey, would you like to do some videos for us on our products? I said, yeah. He said, I'll pay you kind of thing. So I was all about playing with gear and and I'd never done anything on video or anything of that nature, so I started doing YouTube videos for them. That was Dan's Depot. And and from there, uh, Nature Reliance School started growing and expanding, mainly because of what we call survival TV. There was just so much worldwide exposure for it. And so my school, Nature Reliance School, uh, which also uh, started out teaching primarily the public sector and civilians, is now in the business of teaching uh, law enforcement, military as well, and uh, on the federal, state, and local level here in Kentucky, and we travel quite a bit as well. And somewhere thereabouts, about four years ago, I started writing books, wrote my first book, Extreme Wilderness Survival, and followed it up with Ultimate Wilderness Gear, and then co-authored the next book titled Essential Wilderness Navigation, and then I've also written the Tiny Survival Guide with David from Ultimate Survival Tips. So yeah, that's that's a quick and dirty version of my background and how we got to where we are right now. Well, it's awesome that you really dedicated yourself to teaching people how to survive in the woods, how to deal with the wilderness. What's the foundation of how and what you teach? The foundation is pretty simple, really. I, I look at it as a puzzle more than anything else, and that puzzle is made up of four different pieces, the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear. So anything that you hear us teaching on, whether we're on a podcast, whether it's one of my blogs or video or whatever, I always typically will give a nod to that sort of way of thinking, meaning from my perspective, you've got to bulletproof your mind. You've got to do the things that increase your, in, in the survival industry at least, you've got to do the things that are going to increase your survival mindset, the things that help you have more awareness, how to control your ego, how to uh, put things off into a, a a system of understanding, if you will, so that you have a process of thinking under stress. Skills are the skills that everybody loves to talk about, fire building, shelter building, all the things that go along with that. Tactics, I like to throw into tactics. Basically, the, the simple definition, which is a strategic way you work with others to accomplish an end goal. And so I like to encourage people to develop their ability to communicate effectively with others, their ability to work with others, recognize the strengths that they have, recognize their weaknesses, and find others that can work with them and, and so that they are well taken care of. And then obviously the gear. It, it seems to me in the typical survival industry, and, and I would gather just when we talked to you all the other day, I think it's, you all have a similar mindset that a lot in this industry focus heavily on gear. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. there's, a, there's an incredibly desperate need to make sure that we, we have a strong mindset and ability to work with others. Um, you know, you can have the greatest first aid kit in the world, but if you don't know how to use it properly, it's, you know, it's it's maybe okay. <laughs> but right. You, you need to have skills to go along with it. It's one of the reasons I loved talking to you all recently about your all's premise of 
every family, every organization, every unit, every small group should have a medic embedded in them. And uh, I love that. That you know, that's that's mindset, skills, tactics, and gear all the way around, right there, in my opinion. I really feel strongly about what you just said there. You have to know how to use the items that you have. I think one thing that really frosts my cookies is when people buy one of my medical kits and magically announce that I now I'm medically prepared and they put it in the top shelf of the closet somewhere without <laughs> even opening it. I want people to take part that kit. I want them to move things around so it makes sense for them. Uh, make that kit your own. And the same thing with any of the survival gear you have. Uh, the, way, the way you pack it, how you pack it, and how to use it. My goodness, if there's so many people that have these things, don't know how to use it because they're going to because they expect that they're going to come across somebody that will know how to use this medical stuff on the road. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's kind of interesting that we're having this discussion right now. I, I was out in the woods doing some work this morning, and on my way home, literally, and I live in a small town in Kentucky, for your listeners, you know, 35,000 people. It's not a real big town. And as I'm driving down a road in the middle of my town, heading back to my house, I see a girl literally just collapse on the side of the road and I immediately I immediately pulled over I pulled out my first aid kit went over to see if I could help her you know gave uh, the instructions to somebody that pulled up behind me to call 911 exactly what you're supposed to do or at least I think that's what you're supposed to do and uh, mm -hmm. you know she was having a seizure uh, she was an epileptic and so I was able to you know at least sit there and assist her until she got some more higher level training but it, it was one of those things that there were two other people that got out of their cars, and they, they were well-meaning, but they had no idea what was happening. They had no idea what they should or shouldn't do. And, it, you know, it's just good first aid training and, that I've had that I was able to assist this young lady until, you know, the EMTs got there. Now, is another principle that you have in the book, Extreme Wilderness Survival, and I think it's mostly related to combat, but you changed it to critical rule of three. Can you talk about that? Because I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a concept that I picked up from some Marines that I was training once. And they, it's called the combat rule of three, which is basically, and, and this goes right along with statistics. This is why I try to tell everybody it's important to understand st statistics. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I mentioned I studied that in school, but, but basically, you know, you just look at data. Look, if you look around you and you look at the situations that we find ourselves in, it's just basically a, a, you are a collection point for the information that is coming in. If you are collecting information about things around you and three anomalies stand out, then you should pay attention to it. On the battlefield for Marines, that's, you know, basically they're taught, hey, if three bad things are happening, you've got to move. You don't want to stay there because you're probably going to die. Same thing for us in the general, you know, public interest, whether it's wilderness survival or disaster readiness. There's got to be something that we have that we teach ourselves or we study from others that tells us we've, we've got to get out of what it is that we're doing or, or bad things are going to happen. And, I, again, I call it, thanks for bringing this up, Amy, this, I call it the, the critical rule of three. So if you're recognizing that three things stand out from the norm, then you've got to change what you're doing. It's got to kickstart you to do something else because we, as a as a species, we tend to uh, normalize everything. We want everything. We don't like uh, the human species does not like change naturally. 
Right. And so these things are happening around us, and we normalize them, and we're going, okay, this is this is okay. This it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. And we keep doing this until things stack up, and and we're in the middle of a hurricane, and it's blowing the windows out of our house, right? So yeah. <laughs> when we start recognizing that there's these three things that have happened that stand out to the norm, for example, it's not normal for one of my windows to crack from wind. That's one. You know, we've been forewarned that the hurricane's coming. That's two. You know, these three things that are standing out, we find another one. We probably need to do something different than what we're doing and don't assume that it's going to stay the same and and make some plans and move our bodies or get the right piece of gear that's going to be able to help us uh, affect our survival in, in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Absolutely. Now, you had some uh, interesting stories, which I thought were really good. You know, it's kind of like bringing a little fiction into then moving into your education. So when you were talking about this, uh, these three rules, you mentioned some climbers and what happened to them and what they should have recognized, and actually they did and tried to move off of the mountain, uh, but then got still got into some trouble because they weren't paying attention, they were stressed out. But I think that was really interesting um, in this book that you have these sort of, you know, husband and wife, a group of three, these were camping, these were hiking, and then moving into now what lessons did we learn from them and what can you take away? So I like the way that was really organized. And I'm going to... Well, let me add something to that because yeah. you're, you're, thank you for noticing that. It's one of the things that people nearly almost always remark when they read my books is that I have the stories, I have stories at the beginning of every chapter of every book that relate the topic that we're going to be going into in that chapter, some right. real life situation where they can see this is how it could be applied. Mm -hmm. And what I did particularly for the book that you're mentioning is before I wrote the book, what I did was I collected 200 stories where wow. people had died or experienced what I would consider an extreme tragedy in a wilderness setting, because it's a wilderness survival book, mm -hmm. in a wilderness setting, and then I set about looking at the statistics, which things happened most often, and then I wrote a book to fix all their problems. And so okay. I then pulled out some of those stories throughout the book to share, hey, this is why I do this. You know, One of the things that just jumped out over and over is that and, then, and this is why I talk about communication skills. There are a lot of times where under the stress of a situation, something as simple as somebody's on vacation and they, they go off the side of the road in the Rocky Mountains and there's a lot of bickering back and forth. What that caused was, you know, a husband, in one particular story, a husband and wife team with their kids, the husband got so aggravated about the discussion and the argument that he left to try to mm -hmm. save the day. Well, he ended up dying. And the wife and the children that were left behind in the car, they lived because they were there with shelter. That's chapter 12. I it's remember that. in front that. of okay. me. By the way, Craig, that is direct, I that directly story, in front of me. By the way. Oh, that story. That's, that is the chapter that, that I, I am on right now. <laughs> hey, <laughs> That's so I'm clairvoyant, that too. I didn't I'm, know that. That is you crazy. Are. And you got several <laughs> books here <laughs> with, yeah. with us, so I happen to be on that chapter. Awesome. Um, speaking of that story, um, you know, and I, I want to talk about who who your audience is, but I, I you brought it up, and I wanted to ask you. Um, let's talk a little bit just for a minute about shelter in place or bug out. Oh, give, definitely. Give me some point. Just give me some quick points. We don't have to do you know thirty minute discussion, but let's just the audience is listening, and this is always a question we get, and I'm sure you get it a million times too. 
Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't deserve thirty minutes. It's just simple. You need to stay in place mm-hmm. until you absolutely have no other choice. You're going to die if you don't. I totally the, the, agree. Yeah. Uh, you've you've. There's too many things, and, and that me. And when I say shelter in place, that goes from uh, you you get into your home and knowing how to take care of yourself and your security in your own home. Or if you're again, just like the story that you brought up, Amy, is is somebody you know wrecks their car on the side of the road in the Rocky Mountains. That is their shelter. That they need to stay there. The key to that is other people knowing that you have issues, and that the way you do that, if you're going on a wilderness trek, for example, you let people know where you're going, when do you expect to return home, who you're going with, you know where you parked, and the things that will help a search and rescue team find you if you need need such help. Uh, that that also includes you know these people that were you know down in Louisiana that might are in the face of the hurricane that's coming their direction right now or could be coming in their direction you know they need to communicate effectively with their families and know hey I'm leaving I'm getting out of here and this is where I'm going in case something you know comes up and that way people have the ability to get away from danger and avoid it and again that's why I focused uh, one whole chapter in that first book on how to control your ego. You know, ego gets in our way as much as anything else and, and causes problems. And controlling your ego and just looking at the situation and then assessing it from an analytical perspective is, is the way. Otherwise, you have to. You have to fall to your emotion. And emotions are not good things to focus your attention on when it comes to the critical decision making. You need to analyze it. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Now, you've taken care of training a lot of different people. Tell me a little bit about who you actually have been in contact with and who who you've uh, provided classes for. Uh, give us an idea of what you've been doing. Well, it, it's quite a range, and, and it's just it's actually more than anything else, it's humbling. I'll just put it that way. As I started out teaching friends and family, I think that's similar to a lot of people that start out running something such as a survival school. And and because I had those contacts I mentioned earlier from teaching combatives and defensive tactics, some of that training started to get to the got to the point where I was teaching local law enforcement, which grew into state local law enforcement and first responders, which grew into military, which grew into a seven year contract with the Department of Defense. And so we've caught quite a range of people. You know, in the last few years, some of the organizations that we've worked with is I'm a backcountry skills instructor for the DEA. I've done some man tracking for FBI SWAT both here and in Ohio, as well as I've assisted another uh, good friend of mine, uh, Mike Hull, who runs Hull's Tracking Services and Cornelius Nash. Uh, enhanced tracking applications. Uh, I, I've been in classes with them both as a student and assisted them in some other classes as well uh, on for federal law enforcement. And so that that has led us to now where we're developing programs here in the state of Kentucky that are going to be broadcast on the state level for first responders on a, on a very large scale. And cool. so that's that's kind of where we are now. My wife, she has a degree in education. So I used to teach a lot of school programs too, but now my wife teaches. Our kids are now gone, and they're raised, they're adults, and so now she primarily focuses her instructional opportunities in school programs here in the state of Kentucky. And so she teaches a lot of uh, kids and youth and stuff of that nature here in the state as as well as uh, as well as I join her whenever I can because I like working with her. 
That, that's awesome. We like working with each other too, most of the yeah. time. <laughs> I was going to tell. I was going to tell that joke, honey. Most of the time, <laughs> he took my line. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's good. I really believe that it's so important to be teaching in schools. There's the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And from the medical standpoint, I've been telling people there's got to be four R's, reading, writing, arithmetic, and reducing hemorrhage. So we are certified <laughs> Stop the Bleed instructors. Sure. And, you know, in these days where there are active shooters, where anything can happen, well, you know, you just got to make sure that we instill a culture of preparedness in our younger generations. They've got to know simple, basic, basic first aid. They have to be desensitized a little bit to the possibility that something bad can happen and that they may be called upon to help. I mean, they, you could save lives if you're a bystander with some quick action. So I really feel strongly about that, I think it's great that your your uh, wife is is teaching kids. Is involved. In That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much we've really talked about your school. Could you tell me, do people have to come to you? Um, what do you do in these classes? What what sort of training is available? And like I said, do you have more than one location? Can And also, can they do online training? Well, we do... Yes, we do all of that. Oh, awesome. <laughs> now, let, let me try to break that down. Uh, okay. Basically, Nature Blind School is headquartered here in Kentucky. Okay. And we spent several years where we traveled quite a bit uh, all over this this end of the country teaching classes. And I still do travel. Anybody that wants me to come, I'll come teach a class. Our rates are incredibly affordable and what have you. But it, it seems like in the in the last couple years specifically, um, more people are coming to me. And so we host our classes here at Kentucky. Like this last class, we had students from, I think, 10 different states. Mm -hmm. You know, cool. people were driving for a couple of days to come to class, which is, you know, it's again, it's very, it's just, you all know what I mean. It's just humbling that people put so much effort into coming in and taking a class. Um, we, we do that quite a bit. Now, most of the stuff that we've done out of state recently has been these programs for law enforcement and military. Uh, I have a website, naturealliance.org, that has our classes for the general public that are on there. Mm -hmm. And so we do have that availability. Uh, the stuff that I do, you know, I don't mind saying that I've done these programs for this law enforcement entity or that one as a, as a general way of saying, but I don't ever discuss specifics publicly. So you, you won't see me having a class that's for the DEA, for example, on my calendar, and this is what we're going to do in it, because that stuff is sensitive from my perspective, and so some of the things that we do there are sensitive enough that I don't broadcast them and I don't put that out there. Well, that I think is perfectly Oh, absolutely. Uh, you think? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of these classes for survival and disaster readiness, some of them put on by municipalities and things like that. What do you think is missing from some of these current methods? Well, if we go back to considering mindset, skills, tactics, and gear, again, I personally feel that the puzzle of disaster readiness and survival involves all four of those. And at different times, each one of them is more important than the other. I can't say, it would, I wouldn't say that each one of them are equally important, but they all are important. What I see most municipalities, most organizations in general, they focus heavily on skills and gear. And so they, you know, I, I had an organization, a large organization 
federal organization contact me this morning, and they just, all they want from me is they want a list of stuff to buy. And I'm definitely going to help them do that. And I'm and I'm talking this organization's probably going to buy a million dollars minimum worth of equipment. And and I, and again, I'm happy to help them, but you know, I try to impress upon the procurement person. This is only one piece of that puzzle, and it seems to happen pretty regular. Let's just buy a piece of gear. Let's throw some money at it, and and uh, maybe on some skills. And we never most most organizations don't spend a lot of time helping enhance and develop people from a mindset and a, what I call a tactics perspective, learning how to work with others. And so those are the two things that I think are desperately missing: is is basically learning how to develop people's mindset alone as well as how to work effectively with others and the big one is just kiss it just keep it simple stupid or keep it simple silly whatever you want to call it right, right. Just, just kiss it because there's so much information out there and that it's it's not disaster readiness is not does not have to be an incredibly hard to understand thing it, it can be just as simple as knowing that you have a paper map in your car. You ha you have a, a road atlas so that when your GPS goes down, you have something else that you can rely upon. Uh, it's critical decision making skills set. You know, if you don't know how to make critical decisions under stress, particularly, you're probably not ready for survival. You're not ready for actual disaster readiness. And so, we need to develop our people to be able to handle those types of things. And that's one of the things that I think. If I could step back and look at Nature Reliance School as an outsider, I can say that that's what we do at Nature Reliance School. We we help people on that whole puzzle piece and help them keep it simple, and at the same time help them develop them as individuals and working as teams. And part of that involves giving them a little medical training, some information about first aid, and some really practical ways in which they can actually help in times of trouble. Tell me about that. Well, I mean, and, and this is why I love reading your all's material, listening to your podcast. I'm a fan before I ever came on. So it's, it's I, and I love the way you all said it. You would love to have a medic embedded in every family. I could not agree with that more. There is not a class that we teach, whether we're teaching a, a wilderness navigation course or a man tracking course or survival. And, and it doesn't matter if I'm teaching civilians or if I'm teaching uh, some sort of high-speed special forces team. It doesn't matter. Who, whoever it is that I'm teaching, we are going to put them in a situation where they have to handle medical issues in the midst of that training. Just because I like to put people under simulated stress because if they learn how to make decisions under simulated stress, then they'll be able to make decisions under, or under real stress as well as when they don't have stress, they can make good sound decisions. And so one of the ways that we inoculate people with stress is putting medical issues on them. So it might be, you know, we, we might have a fire building exercise in a survival class, for example, and in the midst of that fire building exercise, I'm going to walk up to somebody and say, you just broke your leg. Now everybody there's got to fix. They've got to fix that leg, and they've got to figure out how to take care of that person, because now they're kind of out of the uh, of the situation. And so we've got to continue to be able to take care of them, while at the same time get the fire built, because that's the requirement of the a particular exercise. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Absolutely. It makes, oh, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Well, it makes them think because. It, 
true real life is stuff happens and you did not expect it. Right. That stuff is not on you a schedule. Ex- like today we're right. going to break our leg. Or today I'm going to cut the tip of my finger off oh, when exactly. I'm cutting a watermelon. You know, Exactly. It just, it just happens. Or hey, I'm going to hey. burn my hand. <laughs> it, it's exactly what happened to me today, which is just, again, it's just kind of fortuitous uh, that I'm on here with you all is that uh-huh. I was just coming home today, you all. I had no idea that some girl was going to collapse and fall right in front of me, basically. And when right. I say fall in front of me, she was about two feet from falling right in front of my truck. No wow. Boy. Oh, my and, gosh. And so, you know, thank goodness that did not happen in that manner. But what happens if she had? You know, do I have the kit, the skills to be able to help her and maybe save her life, right. you know, as best I could? Uh, exactly. You know, that's why things like what you mentioned earlier, you all mentioned is you all teach Stop the Bleed. I've taken that class so many times, it's insane. Uh, I've taken <laughs> tactical combat casualty care class. I, I, I'm very fortunate that I have these relationships with law enforcement that I often get the opportunity to play the either the bad guy or an officer down or something like that. And so I get to go through classes with these folks, although I'm not law enforcement, and and get to train with them and learn these things right along with them and it and you know you can't you can't beat stop the bleed you all for for those mm-hmm. that are listening you can't stop you can't beat it you can't yeah. beat getting training and, and getting yourself medically prepared because that is going to happen you know even you know I was looking at I did a video I think I told you I did a video for your all's books yesterday that's coming out and one of the no, things I wanted to I wanted to try to get it out to people is it's not just survival medicine in particular is not just, um, you know, making splints out of sticks and, and tourniquets and stuff of that nature. It's, it's really taking yourself, care of yourself from a hygiene perspective, from a just medical perspective rather than just a first aid perspective as well. And so it's, these are imperative things that everybody's got to have. It's really true. There are circumstances where you may be the end of the line when it comes to the health of an injured or a sick individual for a good period of time. I mean, for folks that are preparedness and survival folks, I mean, that could be could be months. It could be could be years. Could be for good in, in some cases. I hope it never gets to that. Right. But you know, the truth is, is that you may become the highest medical asset your family has. It's important to get that training. It's important to have those supplies. And I want to talk about one thing that you mentioned earlier is simulated stress. Now, an extreme form of simulated stress are some of these survival TV shows. What do you think about them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so it's a great question. I, I think and it, is, and it deserves a good... Uh, consideration by anybody and everybody that that engages in watching them is is it seems to me that well number one just for full disclosure I don't watch TV uh, we didn't have a TV in our house for 20 plus years for a reason because it's I, I didn't want to be told what to think and I, I feel like a lot of TV shows do exactly that I wanted to teach my kids how to critically think so we basically didn't have a TV during the development years of our children uh, and we homeschooled our our children as well, and so we wanted to guide and direct them and get them outside education opportunities outside of ours that were not entertainment driven. It seems like to get back to your original question that most of the survival TV shows out there are exactly that they are more entertainment than they are education that doesn 't mean because I know some of these folks that have been on these shows that doesn 't mean that the people on the shows are not experiencing heaping amounts of stress and are accomplishing incredible things. 
some of them are. It, it, it is just that the way their experience gets edited, <laughs> it yeah. makes it it makes it more uh, entertainment. You know, I think uh, I don't know exactly who said this the first time, but I heard somebody mention that it's edutainment. There's a there's just enough education in these <laughs> shows that it feels like it's education, but it's it's more entertainment than anything. And and I want to be clear: if there's anybody out there that's you know really dedicated to a show, you, just just know that. I mean. Just know that you need to not just sit and watch a show, but if you watch a show, then if you see something you like and go, oh, that's really cool. You, know, you don't, you as a viewer do not own that skill. You need to then practice that skill until you can't, you know, the, the, the way of practicing a skill is not until you get it right. It's until you can't get it wrong. And so, you know, I think a lot of people watch TV and they go, oh, cool, I'll be able to find mushrooms that I don't want to. <laughs> and that, that's, a, that's a good way of getting sick. Yes, or dying. Or killing, or killing yourself. Right. So uh, it's just I, I, I want to be focused on the, the education side of things when it comes to life and death. You know, I, I take my role as a survival instructor and a survival writer very incredibly serious. And so I'm not a big fan of things that are done lightly to make money. I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I'm not a fan of, of, of whether it's a, this, the latest new gadget or the latest new TV show that puts people in a position where they have overconfidence in their skills or their gear or what have you, and, and they shouldn't have that. Uh, it, it's, they need to get out and practice. Yeah, I so think I guess, one of the worst shows that, I mean... It's funny to watch, but certainly I don't learn very much. Is Naked and Afraid because basically Naked and Afraid is just 21 days of starvation. Have you gotten fat enough where you can starve for 21 days? And that's what I see. That's it. There's nobody there that can would you be freeze alive. to death and starve to death for right. 21 days? That's that's for what the show teaches you. Days. You know, and and here's the thing, and and this is why I'm cautious when I when I talk about these things is that I've got three good friends, and I taught classes with one of them who were on Naked and Afraid. Yeah, we know and, them too. And, 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 and you do. know, you know what I'm we talking do. about. We these know people, them. they're incredible. Some of these people are incredibly skilled. Yes, they and they're are. very good. You know, EJ EJ Snyder recommended my first book. He 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 appears on the back of my first book uh, and and wrote a nice recommendation for it. And but I wanted him there because he was a a, mil, a career military you know army ranger, right? <laughs> not because he was on Naked and Afraid. I, I didn't. Exactly. I really did not care that he was on Naked and Afraid. It was his work as a you know being a one real of the person. best of the best. Exactly. Right. We know EJ. We know uh, Jason. We know a few of those guys. They're they're great guys. Yeah. But you know, you throw them out there without a grocery store, or, or sometimes even a way to make fire, and it's raining. And you know, he. I'll tell you what. It, if, if there's tough. anybody on that show that could survive beyond the three weeks, it would probably be EJ. Yeah. He'd have a hut made. He'd, he'd yeah, have mean, bowls made. He'd have forks and knives. I mean, it depends where they put them, you know. <laughs> and I guess that's what I mean. And I mean, I, and maybe I should be in full disclosure say this. I've I've only watched one episode of Naked and Afraid. I could only watch about half of it, and then, <laughs> and I, then I had enough. I mean, I really did. I, I was I could see that it was it is what it is, and I knew some of the skill sets of some of these people that were on the show, and I'm like, I can't sit back and be part of it. I just can't help that. <laughs> I don't want to be part of that. And so, you know, again, and you're right. I mean, EJ, top 
top caliber type of guy. You know, yeah. I taught classes with Clint Javoin. They made him out to look stupid on that show, in my opinion. And I've taught with the guy, and the guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, we, and, we uh, met guy Clint, too. Remember? Yep. Oh. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I'm saying is that it, it's unfortunate that the way editing sometimes happens, the way production happens to sell commercials, to sell a TV show, and I get it. I mean, I, I've consulted on a couple of different shows, not Naked and Afraid, but uh, I've been a paid consultant on two different survival-type shows, and, you know, it, it's one of those things where – they take the advice of somebody like me or the people that are on the show, and then oftentimes they go, whatever, that's not going to sell, and they just throw it away. Right. And, and, and that's problematic for me. That, that, that causes problems for That's me. right. If it's not sensational or sexy. Uh, yeah, if you didn't blow something up. not going to make it on the show. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's true. Well, <laughs> let's go from TV to back to your books. Uh, we've got all your books right in front of us here. Yep. Tell, the the only tell, thing I don't tell have, our audience about it. I don't have yet is The Tiny Guide. The tiny I'm going to okay. buy The Tiny tell Guide. Us, I'm buy, tell it, us about that. I'm buying The Tiny Guide, yeah. Craig, because I've right. seen that. We got all no, don't books. buy it. I'm going to send you a bunch. So oh, I'll, I'll send you some. <laughs> right. I like you guys. You're a sweetheart. Right. That's we very like sweet of you. But I'll take care of you. But, with, you know, thank you for asking. Extreme Wilderness Survival is a book that seems like we've talked about more than anything here today. And that, again, is broken up into four sections, Mindset, Skills, Tactics, and Gear. The mindset portion of that book, I go into detail on how to control your ego, how to become more aware of your surroundings, how to be mindful. These are all topics that very rarely get discussed when, when we discuss survival. How to make decisions under stress. Uh, skills is shelter building, fire building, water procurement, edible plants, traps, gigs, tactics. I have a section on group formation and how groups work with one another positively, what negates good group formation. I talk. I have a chapter on man tracking in there because I, everything I do has something about tracking in it because I'm a tracking nerd. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I have a small section in that book on gear. The small section was the one disappointment it seemed that people had because people are so gear-centric. So the publisher asked me to write my second book on the topic of gear, which is that second book, Ultimate Wilderness Gear. And to be as honest as I can, that book did not sell very well at all. And the reason I, I don't think it sold well is I think people thought that book was like a, a buyer's guide. And it is anything but a buyer's guide. Uh, you know, I have section. I mean, just one simple uh, example is that I have a section on there on how to take care of your boots when you're outdoors and your feet are soaking wet and how to dry them off without burning them in a fire. And, you know, the whole book is full of small things like that, along with, you know, for example, a whole chapter on knives. This is what kind of handle does this. This is the, this kind of point does this. Grind, this grind is good for this. And so it goes into great detail on different aspects of gear as, as well as anything and everything related to paddling, mountain biking, uh, backpacking, hiking, ultralight hiking. Yep. And so that, that is an incredibly in-depth book that I think was just simply misunderstood. Uh, and I wish I would, could sell more because it's, it's probably the most informative book that I wrote. The third one I co-authored with Tracy Trimble. He's an instructor with Nature Reliance School, uh, Essential Wilderness Navigation. That book goes into incredible detail on everything related to outdoor navigation. Uh, maps, compasses, GPS, apps for your phone, 
Uh, it, we go into natural navigation. I talk about how to navigate with trees and plants and puddles and all the things there. I have a section on how to navigate utilizing the night sky, the sun, and how its role in navigation. And then we have specific chapters for search and rescue personnel. We have a chapter for law enforcement. And we have a chapter for families and, and scouting programs on how to apply uh, navigation, wilderness navigation in particular, to those those types of, uh, of of ways of doing things because there's you know search and rescue people have to have specifics for their job so does law enforcement so does scouts and so I have teaching methods in that book for uh, for that and what Tracy and I did at the end of every chapter is we have basically a troubleshooting check section because we've taught literally dozens and dozens if not hundreds of people land navigation and so all the things that we've experienced that we knew that people had trouble with, we put that down in a troubleshooting check section for uh, at the end of every chapter. So there's a section on that at the end of every uh, on the end of chapter for maps, for example. Here's the troubleshooting, and then we have practical exercises. Uh, there's an included map in that book, and so that that book. If you want to know wilderness navigation, that's the book to get. Uh, what we experienced in our classes is that people kept coming to us going, I've got all kinds of books, but they're just way over my head. And so what we thought was the two Kentucky boys who talk simply but have in-depth backgrounds in wilderness navigation are the perfect people to write a book on the subject. Because we do. We talk in a very simple manner in a way that virtually everyone can understand. And at the same time, we know what we're doing out there. And so that, that makes for a good book. Oh, it's awesome. I also love the the get out and practice yeah. and, the, and the questions. So yes. kind of test, questions for practice. Yeah, so absolutely. not only are you telling people how to go out and practice these skills, which, you know, Joe and I have been beating that drum for 10 years, and you have also yeah. for many, many years. Right. Um, but then you give them questions about what they just learned, which is what you're mm -hmm. supposed to do when you're a teacher. Right. You know, it's good. We've had people um, ask us for question books. We should put one of those together for the, for our books. So just what you've incorporated in, I'll mm -hmm. have to put together a little question book for well, well, for our, here. quote, future medics and That's students. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the one thing I didn't know. The one thing I didn't mention is the Tiny Survival Guide, too. I mean, that's the latest yeah. project. And we're, and we're in depth right in the middle of that. Me and David, that uh, you all were on the Survival Show podcast, uh, uh -huh. we put that guide together. And basically, it's a condensed version of a lot of different things. Uh, but uh, I provided a, a large portion of the content for that guide, and David did his super cool uh, design function with it and made it look pretty and added his own. Uh, information to it as well. And it's just a pocket-sized guide that you can put in your wallet, your purse, your go bag, your glove box, or wherever. Uh, my intent for the guide was to be twofold: was one to be a a resource for people to have a condensed version of things that they should probably know for disaster readiness and survival. That way, you can look at it pre-event and go, "Oh man, I really don't have what I need in my first aid kit," or "I really don't have what I need in a fire building kit." And then at the same time. Uh, when you're not under immediate threat, for example, you know you're you're not at the end of a gun, then you can pull that that guide out and use it as a reference point in the midst of survival. Uh, but again, the better the better use for it is to use it as a preparation guide. Excellent.
Craig, you also have a very popular uh, YouTube presence and uh, other social media. Tell us about that. Yeah, we uh, we have everything that most everybody has. Uh, we, you, we have YouTube and Instagram and, and Facebook. We have a Facebook group that's incredibly active. Um, so for those that are interested in finding me on social media, just go to my website, naturereliance.org, and there's a connect tab at the top on the menu. When you hit that connect, it has a link to all of our different social media opportunities. But, you know, my focus has always been in social media to try to do one of three things and to spread it out for two reasons. I wanted to, I wanted to have a broader reach, and so most people are not interested solely in education. And so our, our, we try to do a three-fold process in, in virtually all of our social media where we, we either enrich, we educate, or we entertain people. And so, for example, on my Facebook page for Nature Reliance School, we put a lot of interesting, cool videos up because they're enriching, excuse me, they're enriching or entertaining. And then I mingle in some education aspects because, you know, the people that want education, they'll watch. And the people that are there just to watch some silly video of a bear trying to attack a dude or something, then <laughs> they'll hopefully, hopefully they'll also learn from that. But you know that's where I share some of the more viral aspects of social media as well. And again, I'm I don't I'm not ashamed of it either. I, you know, there's an example of a guy that was feeding a bear that's running crazy on Facebook right now. I shared that, tried to get some views and get some more people on our page so that I get the opportunity to educate them somewhere. And so that's, and yeah. and then I pers my personal viewpoint is that laughter is music for the soul, and so I do what I can to throw in some humor when I can, just to have people laugh, uh, enjoy. Just you know, sometimes life is hard, and it's good to laugh. And I, you know, and I think it's a good lesson for all of us as it relates to survival as well, is that we've got to find a way to enjoy ourselves as best we can. And so, enrichment, education, entertainment, that's my approach on social media. That I love it. awesome. Edutainment. Edutainment. And also, laughter is the best medicine. That's right. There you go. Yeah, See? very true. Very it all true. ties in together. So, what's in the future <laughs> for Craig Caudill? Wow. Um, lots of things. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mentioned earlier, we're developing, a, we're developing a program here in the state of Kentucky where first responders are going to be able to get training from us, and basically we're going to oversee a we're going to do a train the trainer type situation where we're training first responders in disaster readiness type skill sets. So that's that's big on the horizon. Uh, we're developing some more tiny guides. So the one that we have out is basically a tiny survival guide. We're going to be developing some others along with that. So that's a big project that I'm developing and helping write content for. Uh, the other thing that's been huge for me recently, and this is getting ready to kick off in about two weeks, is is uh, I am now the lead instructor of outdoor skills for an organization called the Wildside Institute. And that organization is basically an executive management, executive team coaching organization and I'm going to couple what my skills are in the outdoors with some some of the best executive coaching um, personnel in the world, literally. And we're going to combine forces to help you know top organizations, uh, you know, in in various industries to develop their teams, to develop their business, and utilize survival skills and outdoor skills to help get people outside 
learning how to work together as teams that they can then take those skills and apply them uh, appropriately in their business. And, and outside of that, uh, the last thing that I would like to see myself doing, I, I'm 50 years old, so I, I hope I still have a lot of life left in me, is uh, my writing. I, I want to focus more on wilderness ethics. So I'm studying more on ethics and, and how to go about helping people come together on their ethics so that we take care of the environment in such a way that it's there for the next two or three generations at minimum. <laughs> so, yeah, right. And so, you know, I see that there's a huge divide. There's people, like a lot of things in this country right now, there's a huge divide in that part of understanding the outdoors. And so I'd like to figure out a way to bring people together. And so I'm practicing writing, you know, ethics on my own. And hopefully I'll probably come out with a book at some point in time on wilderness ethics, which would include uh, hunting ethics and just our place in the world and how we can have a positive impact and, and, and not a negative one. Yeah, it's a very worthy mission, I love it. Craig. No, that's wonderful. Absolutely. You know, we're Good running... Good job. We, right, right. We're Thank running you. out of Thank time. You. We want to okay. make sure yes. our folks know how to connect with you. Tell us a little bit about... Uh, uh, how people actually can access your social media and other uh, and your books, how they can get copies of your excellent books. That's a great question. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Just the easiest way is go to naturereliance.org, naturereliance.org, and again, get on that connect portion of my menu. That has links to my books, the podcast that I'm involved in, the training that we do, uh, everything that I do is there on that connect page. Every social media, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook groups, YouTube. We got 40,000 subscribers on YouTube. Everything that we do, you connect right there. That's the hub. So find us there and you'll find us everywhere. Sounds great. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Oh, we really appreciate awesome. your you coming all. on, really. Aww. Yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you all so much. Hey, and thank you for what you do. Uh, well, I mean, you, you all do very, very important work, and I and I've been a fan for a long time. And then again, it's just humbling to be here with you all, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, you're so sweet, and we had a great time on the podcast with you and David. Thank yeah, you we so did. Much you all were for fun. That. that was awesome. And, and you know what? It's surprising that we could have four people on the line at one time and not all talk at once. That was a miracle. <laughs> that is a miracle. I know. Wait, we, get, we did great. When amazing. Amy and I get together, we can't do that. <laughs> you guys controlled us. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> I know. We didn't either. <laughs> it's a miracle. Well, yes, again, thank you so much for, for everything you said, great. everything you do, and um, keep you. up the good work. You're, thank you You're going to change the world. Yeah, I'm doing my best. Thank you all. Thanks, Craig. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks so much for listening to the Survival Medicine Hour with Joe, Amy, and Craig Cottle. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week.